Coming up on today's episode, we have a jam-packed show for you guys here today. Will Manso, Miami Heat reporter himself, will be joining me on the podcast to talk about the Miami Heat season preview. We talk about Kyle Lowry, we talk about Bam, all those new off-season additions, what we expect from this Heat team this season, a whole bunch of fun stuff, a whole bunch of basketball for you guys here today. And then after that, obviously the Dolphins picked up the loss against Tampa Bay. That was to be expected, though. Good thing is, our quarterback, Tua, is set to make his return against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fingers crossed, though, barring any setback. So if he goes through a full week of practice, we can expect Tua to be back, and we need him desperately. Obviously, losing four in a row is tough. I'm looking forward to seeing him back, hopefully. Fingers crossed, like I said. And then after that, a good friend of mine, George Romero, will be joining me to give his best bets and prediction. This guy has been killing it when it comes to betting dominating way better than me way 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 better than me so i suggest you guys taking his advice and hearing his advice he gives some great feedback i'm sure you guys will enjoy that all that coming up on the miami sports vibes podcast All right, everyone. So I have Miami Heat reporter and sports director for WPLG Local 10, Will Manso, joining me here today. Will, how's it going, man? Good, man. Excited about the start of basketball season. So uh, I'm ready for hopefully a very good Heat year. Fingers crossed, man. Me too, man. So obviously, Heat basketball finally back. Preseason took place Monday night at the Heat's house. And last season, it didn't end too well. We got swept by the Bucks. It was an up and down year, as you know. So we needed some issues that we needed to address, and we addressed it. We brought in guys like Kyle Lowry, Markeith Morris, P.J. Tucker, to say the least. What are your expectations like for the Heat season, and what do you think about the additions that they made? I think toughness and, and veteran leadership is, is what you have kind of equating to all those guys. And Morris and Tucker, that championship-type you know, leadership that they have. And then Kyle Lowry, who's been a you – know, forget about just being a leader, but he's been a winner and a really quality point guard, one of the best in the league for a long time. So when you see what they added, you can kind of see where they were going. And they were going for – look, our missing pieces are two things. Number one is we need a floor general. Too often, the Heat were stuck with Bam at the top of the key, holding the ball, kind of standing around, figuring out what to do. Or Jimmy, just at the last second, like, Jimmy, save us. Take the ball and do something, get fouled, whatever. And that's just not an offense. It's built to win championships. And it's incredible. A couple of years ago, uh, basically one year ago, in that shortened NBA season in the bubble that they made that run. But to have long-term consistency, they needed to address the ball-handling situation. And getting a guy like Kyle Lowry like that, to pair with Bam and Jimmy is just phenomenal. And there's other guys you mentioned. And not only that, but keeping Duncan around, you know, and all the trade rumors and talks surrounding Tyler, not having to package him in any deals. And we saw the way he looked in the opener. It's hard not to be excited about what this team could be given all those pieces and really not losing anything that you say to yourself, okay, we lost a significant piece. Yes, you lose Gordon Dragic, but you gain a Cal Lowry. So the Heat really looks strong entering the season. Yeah, I agree with you. You nailed it right on the head. And one thing we wanted for such a long time in this Heat team is something that we've lacked. And that's like you said, a floor general. Like we've had point guards like Goran, but we never had that pass first type of point guard or one that can set up guys. So bringing in a guy like that, Kyle Lowry, who has that experience, and not only that, he can also defend. It's the best of both worlds. But not only what you said about his defense, his offense, the championship experience, what also excites me is what he can do for guys like Bam Adebayo. Now, mm -hmm. what type of impact do you think that Kyle can bring for Bam this coming season, especially? 
Well, the funny thing is, Bam, you know, they had that great alley-oop in the preseason opener, and Bam said afterwards, we haven't really had a chance to work together much in camp because they've kind of been on opposing teams. You know, at camp, you run back and forth. You don't just put all the starters together and the backups together. You try to mix it up. And so that comfort level will only grow as these preseason games continue. And then once you get into the season, but the thing that Bam said that got me was we're two high basketball IQ guys, and it doesn't take much to form a connection. And you saw it, you saw it in the opener. I mean, they're just Lowry knows where to go with the ball. He kind of can see it happening where Bam wants to go, puts it in the place as a great passer, you know, and, that combination, it just can't be taught those kind of things. That's why he said high basketball IQ. There are just guys that just that have that innate quality that they know where to be on the floor, the eye contact, the movement, the signal, whatever it may be for their teammate to find them. And you can tell that, that Kyle and Bam are going to have that combination. But I think more than anything, Nando, I go back to something I said earlier. Bam doesn't have to be standing around at the top of the key. And as great as he is that he can do so many things and he's versatile and Eric Spolstra loves that, Having a guy at 6'10 out at the top of the key standing around just doesn't, to me, help the team enough. You can do it sometimes. There'll be times where he'll do it, but it can't be part of the offense at all times. He needs to be down on the blocks. He needs to be working in the, you know, the dirty spots down there, pushing guys around, showing that touch, the soft jumper, the moves to the basket. That's what Bam does best, and that's what he's growing to be, why he's going to be a superstar. You got to put him in those spots, and with Kyle on the floor, he can be in those spots. Yep, I agree with you, man. I'm I'm excited for his game, especially because there's plenty of times, like you said, he's at the top of the key or he's looking to pass. He's trying to do yep. so much. He's being the point guard. When we all know that once Bam is in his bag and he takes it down low, he can pretty much score with the best of them. And a lot of yep. people want him to shoot the three and get all these stuff. I'm just I'm just happy that Kyle Lowry can make the game easier for him and take a load and off him. So yeah. so if he does want to take some shots from the outside. At least he knows his body will be rested because he's not handling too much of the playmaking duties. So I'm excited for Bam's leap this year. And speaking about leaps, we want another guy to take another leap. And that's Tyler Hero himself. Now, we saw what he can do in the first preseason game coming off the bench. I love that role for him, just to be that instant offense scorer. What are your expectations for Tyler going into year three for him? Well, I think you said it. I mean, I like him in the sixth man role. I like him. Every great team has to have a guy off the bench that can score and and, and that can score in a hurry. And one of the things that he were lacking last year uh, was that second unit. There were times that when Jimmy wasn't on the court, it was deadly. I mean, it was just hard to watch because they didn't have the floor leader, you know, as Gorn was more, and it's okay to say this isn't an insult to Gorn. Gorn is a score first point guard. Gorn has always been the guy who's going to score 20 plus a game when he's healthy in that range, right? That's what he's been his career on. He, he could go 19, 20 points a game. But as far as that guy just kind of leading the offense, having Kyle there kind of shifts things down. And now you need that guy off the bench. And that guy is Tyler Hero. And, and you look at what he did, and I know it's a preseason game, and I know that you can't put too much weight in it. But what you can put weight in is the fact that he was he was shooting, he was driving, he was hitting the floater, he was doing it with confidence. It, it, a lot's been made of the 10 pounds he put on. And look, it doesn't look like much on a guy like Tyler. He's got a thin frame. He's not a big buff guy. But trust me, when it comes to endurance, when it comes to his ability to kind of bounce off guys that he hits in the lane, those 10 pounds, that strength, that muscle is a huge difference for a guy of his body type and the way he plays. He has to be able to take that pounding down there. When he goes for that floater and he gets hit, it can't be something where he's floated off the side and throwing up a shot off the backboard and off the rim. He's got to keep that kind of balance and that strength helps him. So what Tyler can do to answer your question in the simplest of ways is he can go out there and give you the one thing this team needs. 
on a night where Jimmy's a little off, on a night where maybe Bam's not going, he can go out there and give you a 30-point night. And that's just hard to find in this league. And for to be able to get that off the bench and have that kind of production uh, every once in a while, we've seen him do it. It's not like we're making up stuff. We saw him do it as a rookie. And I mentioned the preseason opener. Those are the kind of games that he can he can provide. And that's just a huge help for a team that expects to be in that, you know, not just playoff push, but Eastern Conference mix at the end. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to his leap. Just him being comfortable. I'm a Kentucky basketball fan, so I saw Tyler playing in freshman year in Kentucky. And once yeah. he got into the NBA, I love how they found that role for him off the bench. And then I saw them tweak things towards when they made it to the finals, put him in that starting spot, then tried him out on point guard. I, was, I knew that wasn't his role, but at least they tried it. But I'm glad that they were able to not take too long to shift them back to that bench role. Well, Nando, what it does, too, is that when he will have the ball in his hands, he's become a better ball handler. So while he's not necessarily going to be a facilitator, like, you know, like leads the break all the time, we saw the alley-oop he threw to Bam on, on, in the preseason opener and the way he dribbles around traffic and gets in the lane. Those are things that I think have been helped by the Heat giving him those opportunities at point guard. He won't be a point guard. That's not going to be his role, but he can facilitate. He can ball handle now. I think that part of his game has now gotten better to where you're not uncomfortable thinking he's going to turn it over, kick it out of bounds, or, or make a bad pass. Yeah. You, you know, you're right. You're right. These are things that just excite me with him because at the end of the day, he's only played two seasons. He's going into year three and the fans are just so down on him. We're talking about like a guy that averaged about what, 16 points a game who has a clutch gene. These aren't things you find. These are, these are hard to find. So patience is key. Year three is usually when that player takes that big leap. So I'm happy for Tyler. I think it's coming. I think it's yeah. coming. Oh yeah. Can't wait. So another one I want to talk about with you, uh, Victor Oladipo. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, we don't know exactly what he can bring to this roster because we haven't seen it in enough games last year. Yeah. But in your opinion, do you think there's any chance that he could get back to his Indiana days? Or what exactly do you think he'll be able to do once he comes back healthy? Is there a chance? Sure. Yeah, there's a chance. Do I anticipate that? No, I don't think the Victor Oladipo you're going to get come the second half of the season, hopefully into that playoff mix. And, and as you get into postseason, it's going to be the 23, 24 point score that can go out and get 38, 40 in a game. I just think not saying he couldn't be that again, but to expect that again now to come off this injury and what he's gone through and to just step into this team with all the pieces they already have and say, okay, Vic, go be that 25 point score. I just don't think that's realistic. And I also think, I don't think the heat want him to be that because you can't rush a guy to that point. I think if he's ever going to get back to that point, it's probably going to take him a season. Whatever he does this year, maybe in the next year, whether it's here or somewhere else, to have that ability again, not this year. What does he need to do this year? First of all, be healthy. But he's going to be the defensive stopper. He's going to be the guy that when he gets healthy for those 15, 20 minutes in a game, in those key moments of the game, again, I don't think Victor's going to be this season a guy that even in the playoffs is going to give you 35 minutes in a game. I just don't think that that's where they envision him being. But man, can you imagine if he's in that stopper defensive role with Jimmy and Kyle and those guys that bam playing defense. And, you know, we already talked about Morris and Tucker and the toughness they give you and that Victor could go out there and take a key guy in the fourth quarter and give you, uh, you know, five, eight minutes of just great tenacious defense. That's huge. That's just so that this doesn't fall off a tree and you, and you grab. So I think that's how the heat envision him. Sure. He can have a night where he can score maybe 15, 20, he can get hot. But I don't think that's going to be his role with this team, given the timeline of his injury, the rehabilitation, and then the pieces that he had that they'll need down the stretch. 
See, for Victor Oladipo, I want him to just take his time, make sure he's 100% healthy. If that comes in January, February, if we can have him for that second half of the season going yeah. into the playoffs to be able to leave. I think February I think February is a good guess. Look, they don't have a real timetable set, but I think February is a good guess. I think they've said he's ahead of schedule. You know, it's been talked about that he might be ahead of schedule. And Vic feels great, but I think February is fair. Yeah. I would rather have him take his time because if you can plug him in, like you said, to those defensive matchups just as a stopper, oh, my God. That's something that's very critical, especially come late in the season, playoff time, you name it. So that's what it's all about, be able to have a guy like that, mix it in, and then probably take that ball handler playmaking role off the bench, give somebody a break like Kyle. I would like to see that. Oh, he could score. And, 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 you know, as much as I say he's not going to be that 35, 40-point guy that could take over a game, he could take over a section of the game. He can give you a stretch in key moments where he scores eight, 10 points and then hurry. Absolutely. He could do that. I think that would be an ideal goal down the stretch. Uh, I would, I would love to see it. Fingers crossed. Cause we can definitely use the more, the better, right? With this heat team, Absolutely. especially yeah. the way the season goes, you know, injuries happens part of the game. So the more healthy, the more players you can have defensive stoppers at that sign me up. Um, I want to ask you in particular about Jimmy Butler. Okay. And this is a question that I personally have because it frustrates me sometimes seeing Jimmy Butler could, because we know he can be that scorer. You know, he's like, his mode is just attack, attack, attack. He's lethal. But recently yeah. these past couple seasons, I feel like Jimmy has been playmaking a little too much and he waits too too late in games to take over. But now with a guy like Kyle Lowry, do you think we'll see that aggressive Jimmy Butler more this season? Yeah, I do. But I think that to go back to what you said, Jimmy is not the kind of guy who you're going to say, hey, Jimmy, we need you to take over games. Just do it. Jimmy is very much, and, and we and I mentioned the basketball IQ, the high basketball IQ. Jimmy is that. He knows within a game, man, they need me here. They need me there. I feel it. And I know he fans, and I'm the same way. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where it can get frustrated. Like, man, just attack, take over, go, you know, do this. Stop facilitating so much. Don't worry about your teammates. Be the superstar. And we saw it in the bubble, that's for sure. But I think Jimmy knows that that's just for the good of the team. It can't be like that every night. And so Jimmy really tries to pick his spots, and he knows within a game where it's going. I think to your point on having Kyle now, it will be less ball handling for Jimmy. It will be more of an opportunity to kind of survey everything and where they're going with their offense. Look, there are going to be nights where the offense is running through Duncan, where Duncan's hitting six, seven threes, and it's going nuts, or Bam's just dominating down low, and Jimmy scores 14, you know? And, and that's okay. But in those big moments of the game, even all these names we've said, and Tyler off the bench, and if Victor comes back, and Kyle doing his thing, and Bam ascending, and Duncan shooting threes, in the biggest moments of the game, Jimmy Butler has to block the ball in his hands. He can't be out in the corner standing around. So, and I think you'll see that, and he knows that. So I think Heat fans will see a different Jimmy in that perspective, but also understand Jimmy will always try to do what's best for the team in his mind, and more often than not, he's right. Yeah, you're right. The IQ is definitely there. We've seen it, obviously, us Heat fans. We've enjoyed watching Jimmy Butler over these past two seasons. But it's always that sometimes I knew I wasn't the only one. I'm glad you uh, you were able to feel me oh, on absolutely. that. There's absolutely. a couple there's a couple times where I don't mind him playmaking for others. I understand you want to keep others involved. You want to get your teammates confidence, mm-hmm. especially as a leader. But there was always times where I feel like late in games he should start flip that switch a little earlier. So I was I was wondering if Kyle can basically help him and say maybe even tell him. Yeah, I think that, and Kyle, that's a good thing, is they'll have honest conversations. Kyle's yep. been in the league 15, 16 years. He's not going to back down to Jimmy. He will get in his face and say, Jimmy, be better. Just like Jimmy will look at Kyle or Bam or anybody and say, you be better. And that's that accountability is what's beautiful about this team. They, they have thick skin that they can say these things to each other. 
I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited. So obviously there's a lot of potential X factors. We talked about Tyler's leap. We talked about Bam Adebayo taking a step, having Victor Oladipo if he comes back healthy. But if you had to narrow it down to one, what exactly is the most or who is the most important X factor for the Heat to be legitimate title contenders this year? You know, I, I think Tyler's the obvious one because of the bench scoring, but I, I'm going to go in a different direction. The guy we mentioned a little while ago that we haven't talked much about is Duncan. You know, Duncan got a big contract this offseason, and Duncan does something in the game that few do. You know, I know it's, I know it's a, an open game with threes, and you see guys chucking shots left and right, but Duncan is in that category of like, okay, he's not Steph Curry. I get it. He's not a healthy Clay Thompson, but I mean, I mean, he's right there. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy who could hit. It wouldn't surprise anybody if Duncan hits 10, 12 threes in a game and gets hot. There are few players in the league that can do that. And we saw it in the bubble run at times, you know, when he, he was a little cold during the bubble run, but boy, when he would have these big games and last year, we didn't see it enough in the playoffs, obviously, but that was everybody. I mean, they got swept. Nobody played well. Duncan to me is the kind of guy that's that rare guy that can truly change a game with that one thing he does well better than anything and about as good as anybody and that's shoot threes. So for them to be a, a, a championship level team, man, if Duncan can be that guy where he's just night in night out, knocking down four or five threes, you know, let him take his nine, 10, 12 threes a night. Who cares? Cause if he's shooting him in that 40 plus range in that 43 range, 44, 45 range, which I don't think there's any question that he can at the volume that he shoots, that's a huge, huge impact in every single game. So I think night in and night out, I think a lot of the heat success, if Duncan's shooting threes well on a night that maybe even if they're playing well or not, it's a huge advantage. So he's the guy that I always turn to to say, hey, go hit those big shots and, and, and help this team out. See, I would, have, I would have just thought Tyler. And for some reason, I wasn't thinking Duncan. But now that you mentioned that excellent take, I think the way Duncan can get hot, I think it's more valuable to have those threes knocking down, especially down the stretch in the game and playoff games. Like those threes are killers. They're momentum stoppers, momentum. You can gain momentum. By the way, they didn't pay him. They didn't pay him all that money to shoot four or five threes a night. <laughs> You're right. He needs to shoot <laughs> nine, 10, 12, 13, 14, get hot and go 10 or 15 from three. I mean, that's, that's what they expected. By the way, I saw Duncan at the preseason opener. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. I mean, he sits there and he goes around and I know it's, you know, NBA players hit shots and before the game, but, He'll hit, you know, 48 or 50 shots from three. And just, and it's, I've never, it's the lethal, lethal the way he shoots. And he doesn't, he needs that much room to shoot. That's how much room he needs to shoot. Very few guys in the league can do that. Very few guys in the league can do what he does. I'm, I'm excited for Duncan. And I had two questions about Duncan when he, you know, when he first came into the league or when he started to get hot. Once we started mm -hmm. to see, okay, this guy's a three point shooter, I wanted to see yeah. two things out of Duncan and I saw it already. I wanted to see some toughness. And he gained that. It's like he gained the confidence, and with the confidence, he got tougher. He got tougher, started talking back to people. He started talking oh, to, he back down to, anybody, yeah. to Kuzma during that Lakers series. I was like, that's what I want to see, a fiery Duncan. And then I was also scared. I said, okay, once he gets this bag, once he gets his money, will he continue to work hard? And obviously, you're saying he's shooting you know, before the games and staying after in practice. Right there, I love it. Love everything I'm hearing about Duncan. Yeah. You don't have to worry about Duncan uh, just getting the money and running, so to speak. I mean, that guy wants to be, he wants to be the best shooter in the league. It's a high standard because again, I mentioned some of those names. There's great players in this league, but I, I would put Duncan just out there with just about everyone, not named <laughs> Steph Curry at this point when it comes to shooting. I, I love it. I love it. Now um, got two questions here before I let you go. Obviously it's early injuries happen. Anything can happen, but if you had to take a prediction right now, what seed do you think the Miami Heat can realistically finish at the end of the season? 
Well, look, you mentioned the injury thing, but let's just throw that out of the equation. The Nets are the powerhouse team in the conference, and there's no doubt that if they have James Harden, Durant, Kyrie healthy, like, look, Kyrie's got all this vaccine stuff hanging over his head. Is he going to play all the games? Is he going to be a part-time player? We saw last year what injuries did to Brooklyn, but on paper, it's it's okay to say they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're, they're, they should be the number one seed in the East. Milwaukee is the champs. You always wonder the next year how a championship team comes back. There's always this is the hangover. They have the motivation. But they still have Giannis, who's an MVP candidate every single year. They still have Middleton, who we saw he was a lethal a mid-range killer, and we saw what he did against the Heat. They are still, I think, on paper when you say, is that the best, you know, the second best team, Drew Holiday? I mean, that's probably the second best team, given that they're the champs. And then I think you put the Heat. Sixers, given what's happened with them and uh, certainly Ben Simmons, the Knicks, I know a lot of people think are ascending. I still think they're trying to figure things out. Getting Kemba's nice, but there's things that I think they're still in that middle pack. You know, the other teams, Chicago's a rising team that's got a lot of young talent, but I don't put them in that spot. I think the Heat, as the season opens, the three team in the East, if the Nets or Bucks falter, I can see the Heat at one or two if health stays there. So one, two, three, I think those are the top three teams in the, in the East. And if you're Miami, you like your chances in the playoffs, depending what happens, how, you know, how comfortable you get the rhythm you get, but there's no question in my mind that they are a legitimate title contender this season with the roster they have. I love it, man. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. As long as you get, give me that one, two, three or four seed. Give me a home core in the first round. And right after you get past that first round, it's house money at that point. Let, let the fun begin. After that, then you look. After that, you got to beat. You know, you got to beat the Nets. You got to beat the Bucks. At some point, those teams will get in your way. Yeah. And and I, that's fine. I, and the Heat are going to say, bring it on. That's the only way we can get to where we want to be. I, I love it. I can't wait. Now, last question here before I let you go. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Bam Adebayo. Last year, I think he deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Now, this is somebody who it's not just fans that want him to win. He wants this as well. He's talked yeah. about it. He wants to be a defensive player of the year. He takes that stuff personal. He thinks he's the best defender in the league. We saw it on TNT. He made his case for himself last season. Now that the Heat have more exposure by the public, by ESPN, because we have Kyle Lowry and all these pieces now, yeah. do you think this will be the year that Bam gets that defensive player of the year award that he deserves? I'll tell you what. I think Bam will win a defensive player of the year award one day. Is it this year? I don't know, because he's, it's almost like he's been overlooked. I think he's going to be an NBA all-first-team defender this year. I think he's going to be all-NBA first-team defense. I think this is the year he makes that ascension. You know, just now, the, in this week, the GMs around the league did their annual survey, and you know, Bam didn't get voted best player, defensive player of the league. I mean, he, to me, as with, with his versatility, there are a few guys. We saw him guard Steph Curry one-on-one on the perimeter. We see him bang around with big guys down in the blocks. I mean, he is one of the top, I would say, what, three or four defenders in the league? So to answer your question, yeah, absolutely he could be that guy. A lot of it will be due to team success. If the Heat are good and they're a 55-win team and they're the two or three seed in the East and, you know, they're heading to the playoffs with that steam and, and Bam's a big, Bam averages, you know, 20, 10, 5 and a couple blocks and, the, and that defense, heck yeah, this could be the year. But I will say this, Nando, he will win it one year. If it's not this year, eventually he will be the NBA's defensive player of the year one year. I hope so, man, because we both see it. We've seen the way he works. He gets out there. He's been guarding. He's been wanting to guard Steph Curry. Remember his rookie year? He got on him and stopped oh, him. Yeah, yeah. This Trust is what me, he's he does. He's not backing down to anybody. He's not no. backing down to anybody. That's, that's what he lives for, that challenge. And a player like that deserves to get it, if not this year, one year. So I, I'm holding you to that. I Very hope he soon. gets it. He will. He will. But, Will Manto, thanks again for taking the time and joining me here today. Always a pleasure talking to you, man. And good luck during the entire season, bro. 
Thanks, but I'm sure we'll talk later in the year, hopefully with some good stuff. All right. So I know it's been a painful last four weeks, but let's talk some Miami Dolphins football. So unfortunately, we just picked up our fourth loss in a row this past Sunday, and it was at the hands of who else? Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions in Tampa Bay, absolutely gave it to us. It was a massacre, okay? And honestly, I wasn't too pissed about it. And the reason why I said that is because unlike the other games, I expected this to be a loss. Not to say that I'm happy, not to say that it's okay. Obviously, losing sucks. Losing by a lot sucks. Everything about losing sucks. So I'm not happy that we lost, but what I'm saying is I'm not as angry as I was like when we dropped the game to the Raiders, when we dropped the game to the Colts, because in my opinion, I really thought we were the better team and we should have won both of those games, even without Tua under center. But there's a lot of concerning things. And part of the concerning things is big time guys like Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Jerome Baker. These are guys you pay big money to. They haven't done anything, really. That's what's concerning to me. I mean, these are guys you lean on, right? Xavier Howard, besides that first game against the Patriots where he forced that fumble and we got the win thanks to him, he, he's been getting roasted. I mean, he's got roasted against the Colts. He got roasted against Tom Brady this past weekend. These are all things that are just alarming. And this is a defense that I had high expectation for. I said, okay, this is probably going to be a top five defense based on what we did last year. And they're a complete no-show. Honestly, I mean, giving up 45 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady had 411 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Only got sacked twice. I mean, come on. Antonio Brown, 124 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Evans, 113 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, 70 yards. Leonard Fournette received 43 yards receiving, 67 yards rushing, over 100 yards for him as well. The list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of concerning things. Primarily, it's the defense now. I'm like, holy shit, can things ever start to get right? Once you see that the offense played better, which they did, obviously we only ended up with 17 points, but I thought the offense played better. I like the play calling. I like Brissett. He played a pretty good game. He had 275 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Did get sacked three times. But one thing I like about Brissett is that he always moves around the pocket. He's not willing to get sacked easily and go down. He's trying to extend plays, and that's one thing I like about him, the determination. We saw he injured his hamstring, and he came back out, and he tried to play through it, and he did play through it. So, you know, props to Brissett. That's all you can ask for for a backup veteran quarterback, just to have that will and determination, like, I want to win this game. And, hey, he tried the best he can, but... We just, we're missing a lot of talent. Obviously, Will Fuller didn't play. Devontae Parker didn't play. What else can Jacoby Brissett do? And I kind of feel bad for Jacoby, honestly, because he started to win me over with this last game. And even though we got smacked, like I said, it's just the determination to go out there. I mean, the dude it was banged up with that hamstring, wanted to go out there. And he just seems like a good guy. And he, he, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Like, it's just a, a solid veteran quarterback. And I'm not saying that like, I'd rather start Brissett over Tua. Like, hell no. But what I'm saying is that I kind of wish it went better for Brissett during this run. You know, I wish he didn't go 0-4. I wish he at least won that Colts game. I wish he won that Raiders game. Possibly could have if it wasn't for the refs, but that's neither here or there. 
the fact of the matter is Jacoby Brissett did go 0-4 while taking over when Tua was out. I don't really count that game against the Bills as Tua's loss because he only played about, what, four or five plays? So it, it, was, it was a tough stretch, okay? But you know what? We got to flip the page at the end of the day. I'm not going to go deep into this game because it was a complete massacre. It was to be expected. I'm already moving on to the next. And the next, that's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Tua is set to make his return, barring any setbacks. He has to do a lot of things at practice and get cleared, of course. So fingers crossed on that. It's not definite, but all the signs are showing like Tua is going to be available to play. And what better time, honestly, because we honestly need him. Okay, we're playing in London. So the game is at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So it's an early start. Miami's favored by three and a half points, and they're taking on the Jags who have not won a game. They're 0-5. Trevor Lawrence does not look good at all. This is a perfect opportunity for this Miami Dolphins team to get right. You win this game, which you should. You go to 2-4. and four. Not to say that that's good. That's still terrible. But you want to get some sort of a groove going here because a lot of teams in the AFC, they've kind of been falling off. The Raiders are falling off a bit. The Broncos are falling off a bit. I'm not here to talk playoffs because a lot of things need to change and they need to change quick. But what I'm saying is that the season isn't over unless you lose this game. Okay? There should be no reason why you should lose this game, whether Tua plays or not. The Jaguars are bad. Trevor Lawrence has not looked good. They're giving up a shitload of passing yards to all their opponents. Pretty much all of their opponents have over 300 yards that they played this season, except Ryan Tannehill this past weekend. And week one against the Texans, Tyrod Taylor had 291. Pretty much 300, though. He was nine yards away from that. But you get my point. This Jacksonville Jaguars team finds ways to lose. Their defense isn't good. They don't have many things going for them. So what I want to see from this Miami Dolphins team, honestly, it's not even just a win. Okay, we've been in pain watching this Dolphins team for the last four weeks. It's really time to turn things around. And I'm expecting the Dolphins to come out with some fire and win this game by over 20 points. Like, make a freaking statement because the fans deserve it. All of you guys listening to this podcast deserve to see a Dolphins beat down on the Jags. They owe it to us. So I hope they take this game extremely personal. I hope Tua comes back and balls out. And just kill the Jaguars. Get back in the winning column. Get a good groove. Get a good vibe going into the following weeks. Because there are some easy games coming up. And the way the AFC is, there's plenty of opportunity to capitalize. You have this game against the Jaguars. You got the Jets twice. Right? You have the Atlanta Falcons, I believe. And the Giants. Like Those are all teams that you're going to face. Come on now. There's a lot of opportunity to turn things around. Obviously, one and four is not an ideal start, but there's time, okay? And you never know. This team could go nine and three the rest of the way. That's a 10 and seven record. They could possibly get into the playoffs with that. But you know what? I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm not going to talk about that because this team literally has to win us back. Losing four games, watching four games in a row, just get smacked, having nothing really to, to look forward to. They owe it to us. Okay, and I believe in the Dolphins. I believe in Tua coming back. He's going to be the reason why we get back on track. And for everybody that is concerned about Tua and wants to move on from Tua, I don't understand that. All the expectations that you had after his preseason should remain the same. The dude has played one game this year. 
and he won that freaking game. Okay, he's 1-0 this year. I'm not counting the Bills game because he played like four plays. So that's not his loss. To me, it's not his loss. The reality is, Tua, not counting that Bills game that just happened in week two, he is 7-3 and three as a starter. So think about that. Tua makes a huge difference. Anybody who says otherwise is in denial. I'm excited to see Tua back. I think he's going to deliver, and I think he's going to start something great for this Miami Dolphins team because we desperately need it. And a lot of the offensive play calls will be much better with Tua under center because he's an RPO guy, and that's what these guys want to run. Tua is the king of RPOs. He's going to throw fast. He's not going to be buying time looking for guys like Jacoby was. The offense will operate a lot quicker, and I'm excited to freaking see this. So, guys, quick little breakdown there. We need to see more from this team. Hopefully next week, after we pick up the win against Jacksonville, I'll have a lot of hopes for the Dolphins moving forward. Just win the damn game. And my prediction is that the Dolphins win this game 35-10 to 10 against Jacksonville. Hopefully it's by more. I want to see a beatdown. So let's see how it goes. Don't lose faith yet, Dolphin fans. But this Sunday is a must freaking win so flipping the page on the miami dolphins it is now time for nfl predictions all right everybody so i want to welcome in a good friend of mine george romero he is going to be joining me for these predictions and giving his best bets he is a Jeff fan, but I'll tell you one thing. He is probably one of the only Jeff fans that I can tolerate. <laughs> this guy is as cool as they get. George, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, man. How's it going? What's going on, guys? Listen, hey, I'm a big fan of the Fins Love community. I respect you guys a lot. Uh, Nando's one of my good friends here. I'm very, very lucky to be on a podcast today and uh, talk some football. Let's go, man. So let's get started with these predictions. And we're getting started with Thursday night football. So it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Philadelphia, taking on the Eagles. Tampa Bay yeah. is favored by six and a half at the moment. That can change. Who do you got in that game, George? Yeah, listen, a lot of these early lines are coming out. And of course, you know, they're going to change throughout the week. But give me the Eagles here, plus six and a half. I think Tampa Bay wins, but a lot closer than people think. Damn, damn. See, I'm, I'm going with the Bucs uh, as far as the spread. I don't know if I'll take those those seven points, but the Bucks will definitely get the win over the Eagles. Next on the board, Miami Dolphins in London taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tua is set to make his return. Hopefully all goes well there, and he does make that return. Miami's favored by three points. Who do you got on that? Hey, dude, give me the fins up and give me the points. I think they cover comfortably with Tua coming back. I think you guys are going to look like a much different team, and you still play tough with Jacoby under center. Yeah, you see, I, you know, about Jacoby, I like Jacoby Brissett. All right, he wasn't really dominant, but one thing I like about him is that he kept plays going, he kept plays alive, he was, you know, trying to do the best he can with that crappy old line. 100%. And you got to root for players like that. I just, I don't want Brissett, obviously, to be the starter over two or anything like that, but I kind of wish, like, we had some wins under his belt. I wish he was able to be successful, but, hey, I'm happy to have Tua back. And I'm going to take the Dolphins as well to win that game and get back on track. Next on the board, Green Bay Packers rivalry game here going on the road to Chicago. Chicago pulled out a nice, nice win with Justin Fields beating the Raiders. Green Bay's favored by four and a half points at the moment. What you got in that game? 
I think the Packers do win, but you might be surprised at this one too. I'm taking the Bears in the points plus four and a half. I do think they cover that spread. Really? What? Really? Yeah. You 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 believe in the Bears that much? I do. I do. I like Justin Fields. I like Bill Lazor calling the plays. Uh, they look like a good team. You know the the thing about these Packers recently, it's like they're winning games. They're four and one, but they don't really look like too dominant. That very close, man. Very close games. I mean, they, Mason Crosby missed about. <laughs> four kicks i was like oh my god i had a near heart insane. attack. insane i mean that gave me yeah absolutely gave me a heart attack i had some money on the packers i know you did as well so yeah yeah i'm gonna roll with green bay again i just i, I didn't see enough of justin fields to okay that's to, hey listen that's fair you that's know fair. but i it's still it's he has to unlock a certain couple things there but i wouldn't be surprised you know this is a rivalry game at the end of the day bears are at home their defense can get after it. Yeah. So yeah, Bears absolutely. with points sounds pretty good, but um, for money line purposes, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers on this one. Yeah, me too. I agree. Next, the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know the status of Joe Burrow. I heard he went to the hospital. I saw right after the game. Hopefully everything's all right. They are favored by three and a half points. They're taking on the Detroit Lions, who are zero and five. I feel bad for the Lions, man. But what do you got in that game, man? You said the uh, you said the Bengals are favored by three and a half at the moment. Yep. Give me the Bengals and give me three in the hook. I think uh, I like the Lions a lot. I really like their fight, but I think that this is not the week they get that first win. Give me Joe Burrow and the uh, and the Bengals. Yeah, I'm riding with you. I'm riding with the three and a half as well. I definitely think the Bengals get it done. I feel bad for this Lions team, man. Dan Campbell hey, basically man. he's trying to do the best he can. He's going for it on fourth down. He's going for two doing everything he can to spark this team and this fan base, and they just seem to have bad luck. I thought they had that game today, going for two at the end of the game, getting the lead, and then two plays, and just like that, the Vikings hit the field goal to win the game. It's, it's Heartbreaking <laughs> must have been for Detroit and for Lions fans. Uh, I mean, listen, I really feel for them, and uh, listen, I know a thing or two about being a fan of bad teams. The Jets have been bad for a long time, but I'm ruined for Dan Campbell. I really hope he does get his first win. Um, I just don't think, like I said, that it's next week. I agree with you. Speaking on another bad team, we got the Houston Texans taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are favored by 10 freaking points in this game. It's a heavy line, dude. It's a heavy line. <laughs> I can't believe that, bro. What do you think about that game? Hey, give me the Houston Texans, dude. Uh, Davis Mills looked like an absolute world beater. I mean, he kind of killed that narrative of Bill Belichick, you know, always destroying rookie quarterbacks. I mean, the dude has a, has a good head on his shoulders. Uh, you know, he's has a really long neck, dude. He's got the little giraffe <laughs> action going on, but the kid can flat out get it done, bro. Give me the Texans. Give me the points. I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans win this game by field goal. I'll be honest with you. No, I'm honestly, man, I'm rolling with the Texans with the points. I'm even rolling with the Texans money line, bro. Honestly, yeah, listen, might be a sneaky pick. Dude. Hey, yeah. I like the way the Texans been playing. They don't give up. They gave uh, New England a run for their money and they're they're a tough sneaky team they play hard you know the coach i like the coaching staff there absolutely the talent yeah. isn't really there but hey they ball they try and i like teams like that they're a gritty team that competes that's all you can ask for when a team is rebuilding if you can just remain competitive and play for your head coach you can sneak in a couple of wins in there so colts not too impressive to me so give me the texans plus 10 that's probably a lock and my, yeah i like that line a lot and if you want to get frisky throw in that money line so next the los angeles rams who are four and one right now taking on the new york giants who are one and four they took a bad blow saquon barkley went down daniel jones went down <sighs> feel bad for the giants but who do you got here 
Yeah, that was, uh, that was tough to watch. I mean, Daniel Jones, uh, probably concussion there. I don't, I'm not sure what what Saquon is going to be dealing with that ankle. I think this is a get right game for the Rams, especially if those two and again, Kenny Galladay end up sitting out, give me the Rams money line. And of course, even though it's a heavy line, I will lay the 10 and a half. If I had to pick a spread. Wow. Uh, That is a, that is a heavy line. Every time there's a line that's 10. And if I'm, Basically going minus ten, I, I usually don't do it. It just scares me. You know, yeah, I have I know. to. I, have, <laughs> I, know, I have too I much know. respect for these NFL teams, whether it's the Lions, the Texans. I just, I can't do it. But for money line purposes, I'm going with the Rams to win this game. I don't see the Giants having any shot at all, especially if those guys are banged up. Absolutely, so, yeah, hundred percent agree. Next, we got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Washington Football Team. This game is in Washington. Casey is favored by seven points. And you know the thing about Casey and the spreads. What do you think? Yeah, I know that's uh, it's it's not really a narrative. I mean, it's facts. Uh, Kansas City seems to just never cover spreads, even when they win. For this game, though, I do think they cover. I think they get the minus seven. I think they cover that. The football team, everyone's been selling us from last year that they were supposed to have this incredible elite defense, and that's what got them where they were last year. But Give me the Chiefs. Give me the points. I just, I just think this Washington football team hasn't figured it out. And with that ugly loss today to New Orleans, I, I can't. I'm not ready to bet on them yet. Yeah, and even the ones they won, they should have lost that game they won against the Giants, and then they should have lost the game where they beat the Falcons. I mean, they're kind of fluky team. So I don't believe in the Washington football team. Their defense was hyped up, like you said. They have not been playing up to the hype. Kansas City. They're the fucking Chiefs. So yeah, honestly, Chiefs, my, bro. Yeah. minus seven. I know they don't really cover spreads, but I'm taking the Chiefs on this one with the points. Give me the Chiefs all day. 100%. Next. Yeah. Hey, Minnesota Vikings, two and three, going against the Carolina Panthers, who are three and two. They took a tough loss to Philly on Sunday. Who do you think win this game? I like the Vikings offense, but uh, I don't know. They're kind of weird. Yeah, this is kind of a tough line. It's, it's only one and a half. The Vikings probably should have lost to the Lions today. The Carolina, though, what, what I've seen that they've done, because I was riding with them very, like, you know, very, very early in the seasons, weeks one, two, and three, they looked great. They covered, like, they were just, they looked really good. Sam Darn looked great. But I am going to take Minnesota plus one and a half. I think if they keep letting teams hang around like they did with the Eagles today, you're going to get beat. And it showed today. So I'm, I'm taking Vikings in the points. Yep. Same right here. For the same reasons you said, give me the Vikings and the points on that for sure. Next on the board, this game, I'm super excited for this one. Los Angeles Chargers 4-1, and one, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. At this moment right now, the Ravens are favored by minus three and a half points. This game is in Baltimore. What do you got to say about that? Uh, Justin Herbert looks like an absolute stud. I'm talking MVP candidate, the dude as a cannon. He's just a baller. He is a baller. And listen, we just saw that incredible game with him and Baker Mayfield, which they ended up getting the win. I'm going to take the chargers to win this game. And of course I think they cover that three and a half in case they lose. I I think they're going to cover. I just don't see how Baltimore can stop a team with this much offensive firepower. Cleveland has an elite defense. Let's not kid ourselves. And the dude dropped 42 points on them. Give me the chargers. Yeah. I I agree. That's probably going to be one of my locks of the week when we do give away our picks later on. The Chargers look crazy good. Obviously, Herbert looks amazing, and it pains me to say that because obviously the Dolphins passed on him. 
And it's not to say that Tua is a bust or Tua sucks, because obviously, you know, I don't feel that way. But it's the fact that Herbert is doing all this in the same amount of time that Tua has been playing. Like, this much success, you can't sleep on it. So, Herbert looks amazing, man. I, I give so much credit to him to be able to just ball out there in Los Angeles. And those three points, three and a half you're getting with this firepower offense? Yeah. Give me that all day, man. Yeah. Chargers. 100%. He looks like a 10-year vet, dude. He looks incredible. It, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Some of the throws he makes, I'm just like, wow. Like I'm watching Can't these games because they're always playing <laughs> at four o'clock. So I'm watching. I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Like, holy shit, man. Herbert's the real deal, man. I think the sky's the limit for that kid. So no doubt. Next game, we got these four o'clock games. A couple interesting ones here. Arizona Cardinals five and zero taking on the three and two Cleveland Browns. That three and two, they should easily be five and zero. They could be five and zero. The Browns as well. But they're three and two. This game is yeah. in Cleveland at the dog pound. Cleveland is getting the respect and is favored by three points on this one. Who do you got? I do think that this is the week where Arizona catches that first L. I love the Browns. I love their grit. And, you know, Baker's saying all the right things. I think he's coming into his own as a quarterback. I think they cover that minus three, and I think they get the win in Cleveland. Arizona drops its first game of the season. I agree. I really like what I've seen from the Browns all year. I like their offensive line. I like the way they run the ball. Everything about them, honestly. And like I said, they're three and two, but they were up on KC big in week one and then blew that game. They could have won it. And then obviously on Sunday against the Chargers, they had that game won and then they lost it. So easily could be five and oh, but they're three and two, but that still doesn't take away that they're a pretty good team. And that team at home, yeah, they the need Browns. to play at home. And when they play at home, that is a tough place to win at. Cardinals, they're due for a loss. Five and oh, I mean, they, I've, that's exactly what I was thinking, dude. They're due. They're due for a loss, man. Yep. So give me Cleveland and give me Cleveland minus three as well. Next, we got the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Broncos. These guys are both three and two. Denver's favored by three points. But both of these teams are really impressive. I don't know if I'll take the spread on any of these, but what do you think, George? Yeah, this is kind of an ugly line for me to look at, especially, you know, with doing no research. I'm going to tell you what, though. I think the Denver Broncos find a way to win this game, but I think the Raiders cover the plus three. I think it's going to be a one-point game. This is around the time when, when the Raiders kind of start to fall off. You know, they always start off hot in September, but once it gets into a little bit of later months, the Raiders kind of show us who they are. Give me the Broncos to win, but I'll take the plus three with the Raiders. Yeah, this is, for betting purposes, I'm staying away from this one completely. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but for the purpose of these predictions, I'm going to take the Broncos to win the game outright. Like I said, I'm staying the hell away from that betting line. And um, th this is going to be, <laughs> yeah, me too, this, bro. this game right here, this game right here, I can't wait for this one. This is the 4-1 and one Dallas Cowboys taking on the 2-3 and three New England Patriots. Dallas is favored by three points on the road in Foxborough. What you think about that? Okay, so look, I never thought I would say this in my entire life, and I'm sure like you and the rest of your listeners are thinking the same thing, unless they're Cowboys fans. I'm going to take the Cowboys, and I'm going to take the three in the hook. They look absolutely incredible. They've been covering machines. I'm pretty sure they're 5-0 and ATS at the moment, so undefeated against the spread. These guys look incredible. I mean, Dak and Zeke, that combination with Tony Pollard and the wide receiver core they have with C.D. Lamb, I never thought I'd be the kind of guy to be like, you know what, I don't care like what the line looks like. Give me the Cowboys and the points. 
but give me the Cowboys <laughs> in the points. Yeah, uh, I'm following you on that one as well. Give me Dallas. I love the offense. I mean, they just put on points and points and points. And not only that, but their defense is balling too. I mean, Trayvon Diggs got six interceptions already. I mean, a lot of people made a big deal, including myself, about Xavier Howard having 10 picks last season. This guy's already got six, and we're only like, what, five weeks in? Five it's incredible. In, so yeah. give me Dallas and with the points as well. Patriots do not look too good. They barely beat Houston. Give me the Cowboys on that. Then sets us up for yep. Sunday night football. The Seattle Seahawks, who have Geno Smith starting for them. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson went down. Going to Pittsburgh to take on the two and three Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is favorite right now by three and a half points on FanDuel. This is one of our boys' teams, friend of the podcast, Sergio. Do you think his Pittsburgh Steelers get the win? I'm not a fan of the Steelers, by the way. Just want to say that. Shout out to a uh, friend of the pod, Serge. I'm not a fan of the Steelers either. Listen, being a Jets fan, being an AFC. And I wish I could tell you I'm taking the Seahawks in the money line and everything, but I can't do it. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though their offense has not looked dynamic, uh, I do think that Ben finds a way to get it done, especially without Russell Wilson being a part of that squad. I mean, it's a totally different team. Geno Smith got away with a little bit, but that's what always happens when the starter gets hurt quarterback gets in a team does not game plan for the backup quarterback. So Gino was able to look, uh, you know, kind of look like he was doing his thing, but with an entire week of preparation, that Steelers defense is ferocious. They get another week to get healthier, get their weapons back in line. I think Pittsburgh covers comfortably and they beat the Seahawks at home. Yeah. Obviously it pains me to say that cause I'm not a Steelers fan as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. I'm not a fan. I always enjoy when they lose, man. I'm not even going to lie. Hey, same but, here, bro. But yeah, yeah, we're on the same wavelength there. dude. But man, Geno Smith, it's just, it's Geno Smith, man. It's Geno Smith. The Seahawks defense is not too good. This is like a perfect get right game for the offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing at home. They just played at home Sunday. So they're comfortable right now, and they're going into a very good spot, prime time, under the lights, to try to go even to 3-3. Three and three. This is all set up for the Steelers to basically gain their respect back, and I, get, I think the Steelers win that game and cover comfortably as well. So that sets us up for Monday Night Football, final game of the week. The Buffalo Bills going to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Buffalo's favored by 4.5 points. Titans are a very weird team this year. What do you have to say about Monday Night Football? That is an understatement. The Titans lose to the Jets, but, you know, come back and blow some other teams out. I mean, it is absolutely insane what we're seeing from the Tennessee Titans. I was kind of rooting for old Urban Meyer, man, for him to get his first win today. But, you know, <laughs> they got blown out. Listen, I think Tennessee, even with their weapons back healthy, you know, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, I think the bills just have too good of a defense for them to play the way they've beat other teams and get away with it. Give me the bills. Give me them to cover. I think this is going to be bills by a touchdown. I don't see the Titans uh, being able to beat the bills, not a team that's this good. I agree. I'm taking the bills. I'm taking the points as well. Tennessee is basically out with injuries. There's, there's somebody new on the injury list every single day, it feels like. And unless they get healthy and then win some games, I can't take them confidently. So hopefully the, the Titans do win because I can't stand the Bills, but give me the Bills on this one. <laughs> and those are our week six NFL predictions. And now George is going to stay with me here. He's going to share his locks of the week. But I want to share with you guys, last week on the podcast, I told you guys I was doing a parlay with the Vikings, Cowboys, and Baltimore all to win straight money line. 
I am recording this right before the Baltimore game, so we don't know the result of that one yet, but it's looking pretty damn good because the Vikings won and Dallas Cowboys run. So fingers crossed on that. We're looking good. It's a good day. Now, George has had a lot of success with these bets, so I definitely wanted him to come on and share his locks for the week. I guarantee if you take his advice, you'll be way more successful than taking mine. But George, give me your locks of the week right here for week six. Oh, man. Thank you for the setup, Nando. I appreciate that, bro. Now I feel like I have to pick some good ones. Look, uh, this is not me pandering uh, to you or to your community. But I feel that if Tua is back and he looks good and he looks healthy, I think they absolutely crush the Jaguars. Another week, another L for the Jags. Give me the Miami Dolphins minus three. I think they cover by a lot more than that. Your team needs a get right game. And I think that this is going to be the one. I like that. I like that. I hope so. This is what we need. Honestly, like the way it's been, we have four losses in a row. We don't want to just beat the Jaguars. We want to kick their ass, honestly. So. Hopefully that does go right. What's your next lock you got? Okay, so uh, we talked about this game obviously earlier, but this Chargers team, and no pun intended, but is absolutely electric. Every time I watch them play, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, the kid Mike Williams that people were talking about for years was going to break out. This looks like a complete team. Joey, uh, Joey Bosa has that defense going. Derwin James is healthy. I love the Chargers at plus three and a half here. I think this line starts moving. Um, so if you if you believe in the Chargers like I do, I'd lock that in now. Love that plus three and a half. Definitely, definitely ride it with the Chargers against Baltimore. Oh, I like that. That's one of my locks as well. I'll be sharing my three right after you give me your final one here. What's your last lock of the week? Okay, so this is the last one. And again, we alluded to it before. Give me the Cowboys. Give me the points. The Patriots will be good again in the future. So if you're a Patriots fan, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but you have some <laughs> hope. Mac Jones is a guy. You will get that team right. Coach Belichick is not a bum, but next week he will be. They're going to lose to the Cowboys. I don't care that it's in Foxborough. Cowboys offense looks too potent. That defense does what it needs to get done. They get a lot of turnovers. Give me the Cowboys, minus three and a half. Lock that one in. Oh, I, li I like those three picks. I'm with you on two out of those three. Here's my three. My first lock, 100%. I love this one. Is the Chargers plus three and a half. I think that's an absolute steal. Then you should grab it now because that line will certainly move. Then second, I got Dallas minus three in Foxborough, just like you said. So I agree with that one. Dallas offense, amazing. And the Patriots just gave up points to the Houston Texans. Like the Houston Texans were doing all of these trick plays left and right. I mean, that's got to make you feel good if you have Dallas Cowboys offense on your side. So Dallas minus three is another lock. And my third lock of the week is the Cleveland Browns minus three against the Cardinals. I like the Browns at home, especially. Browns at home, give me that all day. Those are my three locks. You got George's three locks. Fade or follow it. George, thanks again for joining me on the podcast today, my brother. Bro, appreciate you having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Hope we could do it again, man, some other week. You know me, man. I, I love breaking down picks and kind of seeing what's going on. And, you know, once we dive into some research, me and you, you know, we'll talk about it some more and we'll, we'll definitely make some more money next weekend for sure. Hey, good luck to you guys if you got bets out there. For sure, for sure. Thanks, George. All right, so that's a wrap. Episode 39 in the books. I hope you guys enjoyed the entire podcast today. It was great having Will Manso on. It was great having George on. Special thank you to the both of them for taking the time and joining me here today and joining us here today. Because obviously, you guys listening are part of the show. Thank you for your support as always. Hope you guys have a great week. And thanks for listening. 
to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast with Nando Diaz.